0: Welcome in. It is the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on Bearcatjournal.com. We have a special two-episode edition for Thursday this week. The bye week. We we gotta we gotta come strong, Dave. We gotta we gotta bring the heat. Right. Got a lot to talk to, talk about tonight. We've got a special guest action cookbook.
1: He has a is, real name. Uh,
0: I know I don't I don't know if like he, he doesn't <laughs> use it. So I don't know if we're allowed to, like, does he publish under that? Yes, it's his articles say Scott Hines. Okay. Action Cookbook is joining us tonight. He is a UC alum, uh, has a great Twitter feed, and uh, is is very passionate about the Bearcats. His brand is the Bearcats and Food. Our brand is the Bearcats and Food. So we're going to have him on tonight, talk uh, a lot about the, the Indiana game, put a recap on that, there's some things uh, going on in the basketball recruiting world that we'll talk about as well. I don't want to bring it up now. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> but we have a guest, a special guest this afternoon as we, uh, as we are recording episode one of a two-episode day. Cincinnati Athletics Director John Cunningham is joining us. And John, uh, I know it's been a, a slow month, a slow couple months in, uh, in the eighth floor of the Linder Center. Uh, but we do appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to chat
2: with us. Uh, of course, Chad, happy to be with you. I'd love to talk some food, too. Maybe we can get into that.
0: Oh, we can definitely get into that. We, we have no problem with that at all. <laughs> um, let, let's first, I, I, I don't think people realize this because so much has happened since you've been here that September 4th was your first football game with a full Nippert Stadium. Like, that. that was your first ever – nippered experience, your first ever chance to really take in uh, what that place is like when it's loud and it's rocking. Uh, Outside of trying to put out fires everywhere and and everything that comes with week one, what was your overall takeaway from just experiencing something you've heard about for almost two years now?
2: It is wild to think that that I hadn't seen it until that point, but um, it it certainly lived up and, and exceeded my expectations. You know, I was talking to Wes Miller about it. Uh, Cause he hadn't seen it obviously either. And, right. and we were, we had the same conversation. We we're like, I can't believe, I can't believe how cool it is, how loud it is, how, how just, you know, it's just ingrained in, into the university. And um, it just, Saturdays on the grid going to the game um, being right there. It's, it's fantastic. I mean, it really, really is. I, I, I I've been to a lot of different stadiums and, and seen a lot of different places and, and it's right there in our in our student section. I just can't say enough about them. They showed up. They've showed up early uh, for for our games so far, uh, both Fargo home games, and, and they've just been great, loud, energetic. They they really they bring it the heat, and then our band just plays off of that. So, um, boy, it was it was awesome. Dave,
1: obviously, the biggest news of recent times has been the announcement of the move to the Big Twelve and I kinda of wanted to ask a question just on something that you said in that press conference about having a committee kind of around the if and when. And I can you dive into just a little bit more about what exactly their their goal mission was before when it was in the if stage and then how that all changed and what they then did in the when stage.
2: Yeah, that's a good way to, to phrase it and look at it. Uh, yeah, so, you know, immediately when I got here, obviously part of the conversation was about conference affiliation. It's always been, you know, a, a piece of the puzzle for Cincinnati for, for a long, long time. So I knew that, that I needed to, to have a game plan start working on it immediately. And I, I certainly had some contacts, but I also knew that there were people um, on my executive team and Dr. Brian Hatch was part of that if-and-win committee too. Um, our FAR and a business professor, um, and, and he brought a lot to the table because he he was able to dive into the facts and figures and, and really pull a lot of inf- interesting information out um, and research a lot of a lot of uh, things behind the scenes. So I, I knew I I could tap into the resources I had here and what people had been through. Those people, especially that had been through that 2016 um, look at the Big Twelve they could, they could offer a lot. And so we just started, we started talking and I, and I picked that phrase because I called a uh, an AD at another conference one time and I ended the conversation with, Hey, if, and when there's ever a chance to, to advocate for the Bearcats, could you do it for me? And he said, absolutely. If, and when I will. And so that always stuck with me. And so that's why I, I named that committee, the if and when committee. And then, um, you know, it just became conversations every, every couple of weeks about, Uh, You know, who do we need to contact? Who are some key players? What can we learn about uh, the media rights landscape and where it's going and how that might dictate things? And, you know, just just a real open dialogue. Um, And so that that's really what that committee was all about.
1: Did you guys were you as caught? Uh, Not I wouldn't say caught off guard, but as stunned as kind of the general population and maybe the general college football population was. With the Texas and Oklahoma announcement, or was that something that maybe in your guys' circle you had started to hear was was going to happen, and then in essence had you guys ramp things up a little bit? Then
2: no, completely caught off guard, and I think across the board in the industry, completely caught off guard. Not not necessarily by the idea that schools would would jump to the SEC. But just those two schools and when it occurred, uh, I don't think anybody, anybody saw it coming at all. And so, uh, yeah, but but that's that was part of the if and win conversation is that you just never know. You never know what's going to cause the the, the shakeup. And um, so once that happened, obviously, you, you start thinking about yourself and, and where Cincinnati fits into this whole picture.
0: And that's kind of where I was going to go next is there was this conversation, the TV deals, you know, come up in 23 for this conference and 25 for that conference. Was it ever like difficult to not look too far ahead so that you could be ready if something happened right now? Because I, I think people looked at it and said, you know, if anything happens, it'll be 2023 or 2024. And if you weren't ready for right now, you could have been caught, you know, kind of, kind of looking the other way when, when something did happen.
2: You know, that was part of our, our conversation was that hey, this is this this committee, this group that gets together ever so often is probably talking about things that are gonna happen in, in years into the future. And I and I believe that. I didn't think there would be much of yeah. a shake up until right up right up to the point where, you know, the Big Ten was the first bite at the apple with their next television contract and it went to Pac 12, and it went to Big Twelve. And so I, I just I just assume that's when we would be dealing with it in about two years. But um, we also knew, you, you know, again, you never know. So, um, yeah, it, it, yeah, maybe it was a little bit of a surprise how quickly it, it happened, uh, but it was, it was good to have those conversations because it allowed us to move quickly when we needed to.
1: Obviously, there's contract obligations with the American Athletic Conference, and in the past, in multiple conferences, teams have been able to negotiate their way out of this, out of their conference ahead of time. I'm not going to ask like, how that's going, but how much of that is kind of tied into what Oklahoma and Texas decide to do, given that it sounds like the Big 12 doesn't really have any interest of playing uh, football with eight schools, so are, are we kind of, quote-unquote, at the mercy of their decision and things could move quicker, or are we still kind of on that 2024 timeline with the understanding that there could
2: be an option to, to negotiate your way out sooner. Yeah, we're not tied into to what Oklahoma and, and Texas do. Um, you know, we, we've said all along we've been very careful with our language, and we'll continue to be that. No, we will be in the Big Twelve no later than uh, July of 2024. Um, and then we've what we've said is that if something else changes, it's going to have to be a, a negotiation because we have a 27-month notice period. Uh, with the AAC and so we will we will abide by that and follow our, our contract there
1: but we are not tied to Oklahoma or Texas what kind of just in general enthusiasm response from the fan base response from donors have you seen in this time period since the announcement has it been night and day difference are there brand new donors coming through you know that you haven't heard from before uh, Consistent donors offering to pledge more. I mean, I know from being on the fan council, we've seen numbers in that world that we're now directly competing with. And to put it bluntly, like, we have a ways to go. So has the initial reaction been as positive as you guys had hoped it would be?
2: It has. Yeah, it it really has. It's rejuvenated um, those that have been with us for a long, long time. And then I, I do think it's sparked people that, that now are, are ready to completely buy in, Right. Those that, those that have always said, Hey, you've got a little bit of a ceiling and once you break through that ceiling, then I'm, I'm going to be with you, you know? Um, and I, and I do think we've heard from some of those people as well, but, um, this is it. And I told our, our fundraising team, you know, this is growth mode. We're going. And, um, this, you you can't ask for anything more. We've got a, a big time football program, a big time coach, um, great basketball, great olympic sports and we're moving into the Big 12 with a, a group of schools that that really are at a different level that we got to get to. So now's the time. If there's ever a growth period, this is it.
1: You talked about being day one ready coming into the league as to be as competitive as possible from a tangible standpoint. What does that mean to you as as far as things that you would Think need to get done, uh, athletic department-wise, before that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think there's some some facility things that we've we've got to we've got to finish up um, that we've had on our on our plate. Um, there's a there's a rehab of our nutrition area for our student athletes that that, that needs to get done quickly. Um, you know, we, we're already going and, and going to complete our football locker room renovation in the Linder Building. Uh, but then, you know, we quickly moved to that next big project, which we've been talking about, which is an indoor facility and, and performance center, football performance center, specifically the indoor would be used by all of our sports or a lot of our sports. Uh, so we've got those, that, that on the horizon, we've been talking about it for a while, but now it, it makes it even more urgent in my mind. And we've got to go and, and start moving on that. And, um, you know, we have some other locker room projects for our other sports that we've, we've been talking about. And then, uh you know, some other, some other things that will benefit our student athlete experience that I think that we could improve on that just needed some resources behind them that we've got to, we've got to go. How much does
0: the scope of the indoor practice facility change with the big 12? Because, you know, in the American, you're, you're kind of working on a pretty tight budget. And, and the hope obviously is in the big 12, that that's going to be, uh, significantly different and and as you talked about more donor interest and more engagement uh, across the board does the scope of that project now change
2: no i don't think it does i think i think we know exactly what we we need and we we knew that before the big 12 um and so i don't think the scope changes uh pretty much at all i i think it i think it just helps us raise the dollars and get the project moving quicker than than maybe we expected. So um, that's that's what makes me excited to go out there and, and pound the pavement to to get people to buy into to what this looks like going forward. Because it's it's not just for the immediate future. It's for the next you know, 15, 20 years. This is what we need to keep this this football program moving forward. Maybe a few more bells and whistles, right?
1: Bearcat Uh, Journal, like lounge or something like that. That That might be. That might be. I was going to add the
2: Bearcat Journal uh, barbershop, but then I I I noticed you guys, so I don't think we we don't need that. We'll we'll skip that one.
0: Uh, Somebody asked this on the board today: Is there any engagement with with former like the guys in the NFL that that are you know guys in the NBA or, or you know that have played professionally? You know, you see that a little bit across the country. Has there been any outreach or or conversations on those fronts? Because, uh, you know, I you, you see the Kelsey brothers all the time, you know, throwing up the sea, and and that that uh, that group is going to start getting larger and larger as as this Luke Fickle era continues as well.
2: Yeah, there's no there's no question. We've got to we've got to continue to to connect with them and and get them back and close to the program. Um, and certainly Coach Pickle and his staff do a nice job with that. But uh, that goes for all of our sports. You know, we had Jordan yeah. Fox back recently, and that was fantastic for our volleyball program. And, and I know Wes just is going to attack that side of things when it comes to our, our former uh, Bearcat basketball players and making sure that they feel welcome and a part of it. But for sure, I mean, that's, you know, you can kind of start there. And I, and I talk about this just in terms of our student athlete experience. We want all of our, our, athletes to leave here and say that was the best decision i've made was to be a bearcat and it changed my life so if you do that then they're going to give back and so but you've got to you got to maintain a relationship with them and, and make sure that they know they're welcome to be to be back and and uh, have a place so um certainly when we talk about an indoor facility we're going to we're going to have a list of former student athletes that we're reaching out to and and uh, making sure that that they know um that we need them to be involved
0: The Jason and Travis Kelsey Indoor Practice Facility. Yes, it's got a good ring to it. It does, yeah. (laughs) Speak it into existence. Yeah, that's
1: right. The the practice facility obviously gets all the attention, but how much faster does a move like this turn up the timeline on things like baseball stadium, scoreboard renovation, volleyball locker rooms, the things that I don't know if you're not diehard, diehard fans realize or projects that are out there, but that definitely need to be be done. Does this help, you know, really accelerate those while still being able to fundraise for that big ticket type item? Yeah,
2: you know, I I think it does just because again, it just it just gets everybody excited, and and you want to timing is everything, and, and so you want to definitely take advantage of of where we're at and, and all the progress that we're making across the board in, in all of our sports. Um, so yeah, I think it does help, but you know you got you got to plan it all out because you you know that if you have a big ticket item you've got to you've got to be uh, mindful of of you know how you're how you're talking to donors about other projects and making sure that it all kind of it all kind of fits. Um, but we certainly have enough donors and enough support for all of our programs that that it does work and can work. And so I'm I'm looking forward to getting those other projects completed soon too.
1: How much of you you weren't here at the time, obviously, but when UC went through the expansion, I'll just say run around with the Big Twelve in 2016. How much of what was done then was kind of repurposed and re-represented to them? And what were kind of some of the newer or you know, more headline type items that you guys came to them with as reasons to you know that we would be good candidates to join the conference?
2: You know, I mean, it was it was great for for somebody like me sitting here and saying, okay, we've got to quickly put some materials together. Well, we we had all those materials. We needed to update them, but um, you know, I had a former ad. always talk about R and D, rip off and duplicate. So we did a little rip off and duplicate, <laughs> and just you know, update it. Everybody did it in college or whatever. You know, you just take a paper you wrote two years before and, and kind of clean it up a little bit. So, yeah, we, that's, I mean, that's, that's kind of what we did, but I, I said this in the press conference and I meant it, we didn't have to, we weren't going in there to pitch anything. We didn't know this, you know, we were ready and we would have been ready. And we would have had a great pitch, but we really didn't have to um, because they knew Cincinnati frontwards and backwards. And, and um, so it wasn't us making a pitch. It was just whether our interests aligned and, and whether the timing was right to, to make the jump. How much did it help having
0: somebody and multiple people, but it just one name in particular, somebody like Ben Hofstetter, who worked in the president's department in 2016, um, and then was is now in your athletic department, to where you know he was he was a part of that process. And uh, did you know his sister almost gave away what was going on in 2016 because at the time she was my daughter's art teacher. In first grade, and she didn't know that telling me things was bad.
2: <laughs> I, I didn't know that. And Now I did know you have your tentacles everywhere, so I'm not surprised by that story. But I, did, <laughs> I did not know that, but I'm glad you mentioned Ben Hofstetter. Uh, he is an unsung hero behind this whole thing, and um, I, I'd say Dan Phillips as well um, from the graphic side, and then obviously Anthony uh, Defino working with those guys, but but um, and many more. But but Ben certainly. You know, I, I, I talked to him a lot through this process and he had access to all the things that we did in 2016 was right there on the forefront of all those and was able to really um, help me and guide me through this as, as well as Ryan Hayes, who was who was right there in 2016 yeah. as well. And I, I relied on him and, and um, his thoughts throughout this process too. The,
0: the real quick story. I've told this before, so I'll keep it short just to entertain you for a brief second. Um, the Ben had just had a baby when they were going to, not, not Ben, but Ben's wife had just had a baby when they were going to Dallas to do the presentation. I think the baby was like a week old. Uh, and his sister did parent drop-off for the kids. And I was taking Kelsey to school and, uh, I saw her and I asked how she was doing and she's like, Oh, we're tired. Uh, I had to babysit the baby for Ben last night. Cause he had to go to Dallas for a meeting. And I was like, Oh, Really? Okay, Kelsey, you need to go to school. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got to get back home. We got work to do.
2: <laughs> I would have father so, leave a one-week-old a one to go to Dallas, right? Yeah.
0: Right. Um, so, That's yeah, when, when Ben found that story, he cracked up, and then I think he told his sister to never talk to me again.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, I always worry what my, my two little ones are going to say, too, what they hear and what they process and, and what they're going to share. So
0: They're getting I, older I, now. So What's that? I said they're getting older now, so it gets it gets. Trust me, know. it gets dangerous the more gotta, the, the farther careful. they go. Go ahead, Dave.
1: What is it like? We obviously know it's an athletic that we look at all this from the sports standpoint. But what has it been like working with President Pinto through this? What are some of the things that he maybe points, he maybe raises, or contributions he makes, and, and how does that dynamic work, athletic director, president, when you're when you're going through something like? Change, you know changing
2: conferences yeah i mean i when, when i when i talk to dr pinto um i i really he he's he's great at listening and i and i think that those that have been around him understand what i'm saying i mean he he sits there and he and he takes it in and, and he'll allow me to kind of you know go go my different direction and and i try to give him some good information and then and then he takes it in and then he it's amazing he's one of those people that he whatever he says next um, after you've talked for a while is going to be profound. And, and that's how I always kind of take it in. I mean, he just has a way of processing the information that you give him and then and then putting his own thoughts to it and, and saying something that that makes a lot of sense. So um, I don't know if that makes sense. If you've been around him, you, you may understand more what I'm talking about. But he, he, he certainly has a way about him and a way to, to think through problems that I really respect. And, and so that was huge going through the through this process.
1: God.
0: How how big was the party after the uh press conference that night? Well, you guys had the, the 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 dinner afterwards, so you didn't get to celebrate too raucously, I suppose.
2: Yeah, no, I had to I had to go up and kind of be the MC and and um I don't think I was fully on my game to be honest with you, but it was all right. I mean, I kind of I got through it because I was with Dan Horde and he's a pro. He's a pro's pro, he can get you through anything, but um still a fun time to to uh celebrate that event and um, you know, you're celebrating the the, the greatest ever at, at UC with your Hall of Famers and then your Black Blazers that gave so much to this place. And and we had a couple of new awards. We had a Bob Going Award that we gave out for the first time. Um, and and so that really meant a, a lot. I think that was really, uh, you yeah. know, symbolic to, to give an award out uh, named after an ad that had so much to do with with us growing and, and getting a lot better so um no it, w- it was fun i was exhausted i can't I, I don't it was one of those nights where you just hit the pillow and fall asleep and uh you know i slept in i think i slept in until about 8 15 and my my kids were wondering what was wrong with me the next day So, but uh, <laughs> I love, i'd we, love we to were see it,
1: 15
2: yeah yeah <laughs> i know i know
1: couple Couple schedule football scheduling questions being that new conference. Do you have just personally? Do you have a preference on eight or nine conference games? Seeing that that's a big talking point with several different conferences moving forward with their TV deals. Some might change to nine. Some might go to ten. Some might stay at eight. Where do you kind of land on that?
2: You know, it's a great question. I um, I've been in leagues that have done both. I you know. I really, there is good and bad with, with both of those. Um, you know, I, I, I think on the nine, obviously, um, you've got a, a your, your schedule is harder. There's going to be more losses in your conference when you have nine, but at the same time, you, you, you're going to have, uh, better games and you're, and you're going to, you're going to be able to present that to a media rights, uh, company and, and probably get better media rights potentially based on nine games. So I, I think that that's something to consider. Uh, but then again, you know, again, your, your, your conference is getting more losses when you have nine as opposed to when you have eight, just just kind of naturally. So uh, there's good and bad both ways. I, um, and, and we'll just kind of see how it plays out. We'll, we can adjust accordingly. We've got a schedule that we can, we can adjust to nine if we need to. And, and we've got a schedule that we can certainly adjust to eight if we need to.
1: That was kind of my follow-up is the future non-conference schedule is, is pretty well set up to go either way as it is right now. Does this move change at all your overall non-conference scheduling philosophy, as far as teams you'd like to target, teams you maybe don't want to play anymore, stuff like that?
2: No, I don't think so. I I, I think I've I've always had a philosophy on the nine games. Um, so if you have three to schedule, uh, you, you schedule one that that you probably should win, one that's one that's you know. Uh, going to challenge you, but one that you should probably still get, and then you schedule one that's a stretch, right? One that's going to really be a, a challenge and, and really bolster your your non-conference schedule. So that that's kind of my philosophy when you have a three non-conference. When you have four, you're probably just adding one of those other other teams that you should you should probably get a win, but but it's not necessarily an easy one. So um, that that's kind of been my my philosophy on
1: that. So I can so we can say when we go to nine that you. Advocating for making Miami. The, here he goes. Here, here I go making here Miami the one that we should win, and it's always at Nippert. Is that right? We can we can print that.
2: What did we say at the beginning? There was
1: something <laughs> I can't talk about. I'm gonna I'm gonna plead that fifth on that one. <laughs> He's, he
0: had to try. It's it's on brand for him. He had to try. Um, <laughs> when you look around, I guess first, do you, how much do you still talk to Mark Coyle? Uh, and and how much is he like? Is he is he proud of his protege for, you know what what's been happening here at the University of Cincinnati since since you have arrived? Because as we've talked about, it's been a lot.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's um I still talk to him quite a bit. Uh, you know, probably every every week or two weeks. Um, a lot of it is just about family, though. To be honest with you, we you know if I if got if got a, got an issue. Um, I I might run it by him and get his thoughts and and certainly respect those thoughts. But we we tend to always just talk about family and and how we're doing outside of work. Um, And that that's helpful, too. But uh, he he's in in my mind, one of the best in the business and just somebody I trust. And so those people are always good to have in your corner and uh,
0: call them when you need them. Is that where you learn to keep things quiet? You do a you do a really good job of keeping me on my toes.
2: Uh, Mark used to think I talked too much, so if you if that gives you any idea, oh lord, <laughs> keep he keeps it but he keeps it buttoned up, as he would say. So um, that was always important to him. And So I think I, I learned from that. Yeah,
0: I, your new staff that you know there are some people obviously that are that are holdovers, but you, you've assembled a lot of new folks into the athletic department into. Existing roles and new roles, and you guys were feet to the fire on September 4th uh, from from having the engagement with fans that we do. It seemed like a lot of people were, well, not, you know, a thousand percent satisfied, there was a lot of improvement that was made from game one to game two, and, and then you get a three-week break until home game number three. What have your initial impressions been of how your staff has handled this because there's a lot of bullets flying in a lot of different directions and a lot of things to tweak and fix and, you know, you know, adjust as the, the plan goes forward. Just what are your overall takes on, on how your team has done so far through these first couple of weeks?
2: Yeah, I'm proud of the adjustment. I was, I was disappointed and I told them this after the first game, I thought we had some misses, um, things that we should have been able to, to think through ahead of time, not, not to anybody's, uh, Fall just you know it'd been a while since we held a game and a lot of us and those types of things but but I am really proud of the adjustment and I think people saw that Um, and you'll continue to see it we've got some things coming out here this week Uh, we had talked about kind of three phases one was what can we fix right away there weren't a lot of things we could do right away but I think we are able to adjust um, a little bit for Murray and then we were going to have another period of time before Temple where we could make some some bigger adjustments you're going to see those coming out this week Um, and then. And then obviously going into next year, that's why we have a fan council, right? We want to we want to think big about how we can really make this a better experience for everybody. Um, and so we'll we'll you know learn a lot this year and do some new things next year. But it's it's not easy to adjust on the fly, you know, in a week and and try to get things right when they didn't go the way that you wanted them to. And I think that we did a fairly good job
1: uh, of doing that. But but we we got things to work on,
2: so we'll do it
1: you've had the saying next level success, you know, pretty much from the minute you got to, you see what, what is next for, for you guys, obviously there, we've talked about some facility things. We talked about some, some donor things, but like from your standpoint, as the athletic director, what is, you know, your one or two top of the line things that you're really trying to say, you know, rally the troops around, so to speak, over the next year or whatnot that, to kind
2: of help keep elevating that next level success mantra. Yeah, I'd say David, I'd say two things. I'd say the uh, the student athlete experience we got we have some things that we can we can take ourselves to the next level on and, and I've talked about some of these before, but mental health being one um, and uh, nutrition being one, those two things we've got to immediately address that that to me is is uh, when we talk about being day one ready too, that that's part of that. Uh, and, then I, and then the other one is just winning championships. Let's, you know, we've got, we've got some time here in the American Conference. Let's go win as many American Conference championships as we can. And, and I feel very strongly about all of our programs being able to compete for championships across the board. And um, so that, that's what I'm looking for is to have those, those great moments and, and bring home some American Conference championship trophies here over the next couple of years. What, what adjustments,
0: what, what growth have you seen already so far from, from Wes Miller as he has stepped into this job? Because you know, he's had to really hit the ground running and, and keep a roster together in some instances and, you know, add pieces and parts and get started preparing for this year and getting ready to recruit for the future. Uh, what kind of growth have you seen from him since he took over in April?
2: Yeah, that's a that's an issue question. I think you know I've, and I've said this before he's done he's done everything that we could ever ask of him um, in terms of just pure effort, which is getting out into the community, uh, bringing in as many people into the fold in terms of your former players and, and maybe some some donors and things that that weren't uh, with us here recently and, and he's just he just has done everything that way. What I think I, I caught the other day and um, he's right, he had to shift now. He's got to shift to being coach, right? He's done so much external stuff. I've got to leave him alone. And, and Karen Hatcher and, and Brad Oakle, we've got to leave him alone a little bit now. And our fans are going to need to understand that he's got to, he's got to make that transition and really focus in on, on just getting his team right and ready to go. It's, it's go time there. So I I, I would say maybe that's something that, that I've seen him uh, growth wise. He, he just, he wants to go, and, and make everybody happy and, and build this foundation and, and get it done tomorrow. But I think now he's starting to starting to realize he's got to he's got to narrow in on on all the all the day to day stuff just with his team. So um, he's he started that transition and we're going to lay off of him a little bit on the other stuff.
0: And, and for you, what's it like being the AD of a, a football program that's that's in the top ten that that has these expectations and has elevated you know in a lot of ways the status of the university and I'm sure. It made things with the Big 12 much easier. Uh, You you have a top 10 ranking by your name when you're being considered. Um, Just as an AD, like, what are those – what does that do for you? What does that change Uh, as opposed to maybe when you got here when it was still being built to where it's at right now? Luke, a little tougher to deal with?
2: Not at all. No, no, and I I mean, I I think, you know – listen it's it's a dream to walk into a situation where you have a coach that that has um, a vision and has buy-in from uh, a team a large team like football and a staff and so um you know that's a dream scenario for an ad and i certainly um, have have benefited from that and obviously uh when you work with luke you you understand uh, that he's he's going to be very focused in on the season and, and his team and so i'm i'm excited about about working with him and, and continuing to help this thing grow. That's, that's his mindset is, is let's keep moving forward. And so that's my job. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you can't ask for much more in your first AD job um, to have a, a, a team and a coach uh, like we do. And I'm, I'm just thankful for it.
0: And how excited are you to get up to South Bend next weekend?
2: Oh, Just, just to experience that. Yeah. Yeah. You'll appreciate this. I'm making my kids watch Rudy. They have never seen it. And so we are <laughs> sitting down my wife. It was my wife's idea. So she said we as a as a family, we're going to we're going to make them watch Rudy just to get the sense of what going up to South Bend means and, and uh, kind of the spectacle of the whole thing. So
0: do you know Brian at all, Kelly?
2: I No, I don't. Mm-mm. No, I haven't. I haven't had a chance to, to meet him or interact with him at all.
0: He's got a lot of love for it. People mistake that. He's got a lot of love for Cincinnati. He just had the Notre Dame job come after him. It is, you know, it's the it's the pinnacle of, of college football. So, yeah. well, Dave, what else you got?
1: I hope he breaks Newt Rockies record this weekend and it's not next not weekend. Next. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, fans are obsessed with media rights. I'm not going to ask, like, how much more money is going to make. I will ask. Have you guys even like had those conversations to this point, or is that way too far down the road still? I mean, I I know you there has to have been some discussion along the lines, but like just bring us kind of into to that world and and where you kind of see things going for UC along those lines.
2: Yeah, we, we've had some discussions, obviously, um, but you know, there's there's a lot of moving parts, so it's it's never it's never as simple as as just just a number here or number there. But um you know, I think the big thing for us, and I talked about this some at my press conference, was just aligning with schools that were investing the same way um that we were. And you know, we've put in 160 million dollars into facilities over the last 10 years. Like we we were investing in Houston you could say the same thing. In UCF you could say the same thing. We were investing in a way that was in all aspects power five. Um, and we just you know we we needed an opportunity um, uh, to find our way into that, that group of schools. And, um, so that, that's really what it was. It was about associating ourselves with schools across the board that, that were championship level. And, and that's what you have in the big 12, I mean, those, those schools, those fan bases, um, their traditions, um, they're, they're big time and, uh, we're excited to be with them.
0: How has the outreach been from the big 12 community, you know, from the athletic directors and the presidents and, you know, everybody that you're going to be joining.
2: Yeah, it's been great. Um, you know, I've, I've heard from, uh, I think almost all of them, if, if not all of them and, and, um, got a couple care packages and and those types of things, which is really, really nice of them. And, um, so no, it's any it's, good food. Yeah. Yeah. Some good food. Um, yeah. Uh, some Magnolia stuff from, from Baylor. So got a little, you know, that made my wife happy. She was all excited about that, that good stuff. So, um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's it's yeah it's been great and I had a chance to to meet with a few of them here this past week I was in D.C. for some AD meetings and so uh, had a chance to meet face to face with a few of them and and uh, seems like a great group so I'm excited to be a part of it.
1: I was going to say, did you get any care packages from from anybody in the AAC or? <laughs> thanks, thanks. Now get out.
0: <laughs> uh,
2: I, I will say just just trem. You know we've spent so much time on Zoom calls. And and all the ads that have been around for a while talk about that. They say we used to, you know, ads used to get together twice a year, and now when when COVID hit, it was every week we were on a Zoom call. So I I consider those every one of those ads um, a friend of mine and, and really good people in the AAC, really good leaders
1: uh, across the board at, at all those schools. I'm pretty good, Dave. You? Yeah, I think I mean we hit on I think we hit on pretty much much all of it. I mean he, he did say he he would we'll talk some food for a couple minutes. So, so what are you, what are your favorite spots now that you've been in town for a while?
2: Yeah. Um, gosh, we went to Alfeo's the other day.
1: Oh yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah.
2: Just, I don't know. That one hit the spot for for my wife and I, we had a, a date night at Alfeo's. That was really good. Did uh, you go
1: get some graders down the street when you were done?
2: No, we were so full. We couldn't, we were rolling out of there, but we would have otherwise. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think that, that that's the one that kind of jumps out at me. Um, you know, we we've gotten to hit a, a couple spots. Sacred Beast, uh, we went to and had a nice meal there one one day, and a couple of those OTR spots that are that are kind of fun. So um, my wife's more of a foodie than I am, but um, she kind of she she searches them out, and then I get to go and, and tag along and eat whatever she orders. We
0: we haven't converted you on on La Loca yet, have we?
2: No, I haven't. I haven't done that one yet. Yeah, it's I, I, a it's a if you're familiar I think,
0: with tortillas like Chad's, Mexican sandwiches I think Chad's
1: getting paid under the table by these guys because he brings them up on every single podcast that we talk about food. So he's That's how good you know, they are. You're what either getting free food or money.
0: I've I mean, told them a couple of times they need to put me on the payroll, but she doesn't listen. <laughs> she just says thank you and charges me my money for my food. <laughs> well,
2: you got to give me a location. I'll, I'll, I'll track it's, it down.
0: It's in Florence. I, I've got Aaron Hemmler addicted. Aaron Hemler and, and his wife eat there like three times a week. Uh, okay. Brady has think, taken the entire strength Anthony staff went there.
1: there. I think Anthony went there.
0: Yeah. yeah. In the woods.
2: All right. But there's All a right.
0: there's a there's a rumor that they're looking in the next like six months to a year to opening a Clifton location. So that'll okay. be problems for the strength staff. I'm telling you.
2: I know. I know. It's, well, the, that's, it's, that's it's a lot. You always want to go to the straight guys for food advice too, because they they know where the good spots are. So I want to talk to all of them.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
2: All right. Well, I know you
0: are extremely busy and uh, it was very gracious of you to take some time out of your Thursday to talk to us on the bye week figured. This would probably be the best week to get you because game weeks can be a little, uh, hectic, but thank you for your time. And, uh, are you coming back
1: after the Notre Dame game? Are you staying in South Bend Saturday night? No, you know what we're doing.
2: We're, we're taking the train. So, oh, okay.
1: my, my whole family—I've got uh, my parents, my my
2: in-laws, and my whole family—is going to take the train in. We're going back to Chicago, and then we're going to spend the day Sunday. We're going to we're going to just uh, walk around Chicago a little bit. I think.
1: I'm going to say, I'll if you're if you were going to be there after the game, I was going to invite you to the victory party at, at our at the house that we got there. So
2: Shoot, now you're tempting me. I may have to may <laughs> have to grab an Uber back to Chicago.
1: Yeah. <laughs> when when we win we can get John on the the Dave after dark podcast
2: you John
0: you don't want any part of Dave after dark I do
2: not want to touch that one I know better than that
0: there's really there's only been a couple and when they've happened they've been they're legendary in Bearcat Journal podcast lore it started with uh, UCLA Desmond Ritter's first game you know in the Rose Bowl and Dave Dave was in rare form legendary podcast i don't
2: want to be on it but i do want to listen to it now
0: so i'll isn't that the one that started sorry dan
1: yeah because i said a couple bad words and and dan's son who was obviously much younger at the time listened to it in the car with him the next day or a couple days later and thought that it was very funny but his dad did not think it was as funny as sam did
0: (laughs) so now if a bad word slips out we say sorry dan just in case Sam is in the car listening.
1: Sam's much older now. Your, your right. son, your kid's probably, yeah. It, don't listen in the car, John. No. <laughs>
0: all i right. All right. throw the headphones off.
1: All right. Well, it's great to <laughs> talk you, to John. you.
0: and appreciate it. And uh, congratulations on all the success. I know it has been a whirlwind, uh, you know, coming up, what? We're, we're 22 months right now, I think. A whirlwind 22 months, but uh, you've navigated it well. And things are uh, at an all time high for the, for the university. And uh, Bob Bowsby would say you should take a lot of credit for that.
2: Well, I I appreciate you and and thank you guys for all you do for the Bearcats. So I I really do appreciate what, what you guys do and how you bring our fans together. So keep doing that. All right. Thank you,
0: John. I appreciate it. He is Dave Simone. That is John Cunningham, Director of Athletics for the University of Cincinnati. I'm Chad Brendel. We'll see you tonight action cookbook. Be right back at you. The BCJ podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail right here on BearCutJournal.com.